time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. It's Monday and I'm continuing in thoughts about discipleship from Scripture. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? You know, it's a word that is thrown around a lot in the Christian community, and yet we often don't talk about it other than talking about things like discipleship groups or something like that and small group Bible studies and that type of thing. But we're sort of breaking down what it means to to be a disciple of Jesus. And, you know, it, it reminds me of a story that I heard many years ago about a very poor man who lived on an old farm in West Texas and money was scarce, crops were few, and life was hard. And for years, the family, his family wore the same clothes. They sewed patches on the holes that seemed to wear through. And at times, it was barely enough food to feed the, feed the children and the family. And the family's only transportation was an old horse, and she too was on her last legs. And so one day, the man suddenly died. And his family, of course, as you might imagine, was devastated. And so they sold the farm for really a paltry fee, packed up what they had, and moved to Oklahoma to live with relatives. Two months later, the new owner discovered oil on the property of the old farmhouse. He became an instant millionaire. And how sad it is that the old farmer had lived and died in poverty when he could have been a millionaire all along. If he'd only known how to tap into the riches that belonged to him rightfully, what a difference life would have been and his family how they would have lived life completely differently and you know that's not an analogy about about how god wants you to be rich or anything what it really tells us though is that we have been given spiritual riches by god and i find that a lot of christians including myself many times live like that poor farmer not tapping into the resources that are inherently right beneath our spiritual feet that we are sitting on a spiritual oil well because God has provided this spiritual wealth for all of us as believers. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, and beginning verse, really beginning verse 1 through verse 14, Paul outlines some of the spiritual riches that we have. In fact, in verse 3, he says, You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Now, I don't know if you think about yourself like that. I, I know I don't. Many times I don't think of myself as being blessed in every possible spiritual way. I tend to focus on the ways that I'm not blessed, the ways that I, I feel like I've not been provided for. And yet God says, I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. He tells us that in verse 4, we've been chosen in him. Verse 5, that we are loved by him. Verse 5 again, we are predestined by him. We are adopted by him, that his grace has been lavished upon us in verses 6 through 8. Verse 7, that we are redeemed by him, that we are forgiven by him. Verses 8 and 9, that we're given insight by him, that we're given an inheritance, a future inheritance, and a present inheritance as well in verse 11. It tells us in verse 13, we are sealed in him and that we are given the Holy Spirit in verse 14. Those are some of the spiritual blessings that we got the second that we became believers in Jesus Christ. Now, what was our part in all this? We didn't have to earn it or anything. We just received the free gift. And yet many times we continue to live like these paupers and not like the disciples that Jesus Christ has called us to be. And so, you know, it, it sometimes makes me want to 
want to reevaluate my Christian life and to reboot what I believe about my Christian life. It's not about me feeling good about myself. These blessings weren't given to me so that I could pat myself on the back and have a happy thought for the day. They're all about what he has done for me. So really the the thankfulness and the praise all just goes really back to him. Now, there was a time, uh, one time in high school, I was with a friend and we were passing by this frozen lake and on a winter's day. And so we stopped and he said, hey, how'd you like to walk out on the ice? I was like, I don't know. I don't know that I, though that I trust that ice. And how thick is it? And he says, are you serious? This pond freezes over every winter. The ice must be, you know, a foot thick on this thing. It'll hold a truck. And so hesitantly, I put one foot out on the ice, maybe a little afraid, then cautiously put another foot out on the ice, gradually placing more weight on it. And then the other foot. And soon the both of us are sliding across the ice in the pond, having a blast, not even thinking about whether the ice would hold us up. Now, that illustration, I think, demonstrates how a lot of Christians live, that we are so hesitant to get out on that ice because we don't think Jesus is really going to support us. We don't think Jesus is going to provide for us and give us what we need to get through life. Because, quite frankly, we need a lot to get through life today, don't we? Because there are a lot of things that we face in life. There's stresses in life and there's anxiety in life. There's people that are hard to deal with. There's situations that come up unexpectedly. You get blindsided by problems. Things happen. You got financial worries and stuff and things that you just go, wait, I'm not prepared for all this. And you need to be able to learn how to lean on Jesus, how to put your weight on him and to let him support you throughout your day. So there's a survival element to leaning on Christ, but there's also a victory element to it as well, a, a winning element to it. And so you say, well, gosh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. My faith is really that great. It's really not about having great faith. You don't need great faith in order to lean on Jesus because no matter how great your faith is, it doesn't matter. Because watch this. So if you had great faith in thin ice and you stepped down on the thin ice, what's going to happen? You're going to fall through into the icy waters, right? So the amount of your faith was not in direct proportion to whether or not you stayed up on the ice. What's really important is how thick is the ice. The object of your faith is more important than your faith. Now, you need some faith, but you don't have to have mega faith in order to trust Jesus and walk through this life. So it's the thickness of the ice or the trustworthiness and power of Jesus that really will get you through. The amount of your faith is only relevant to the point that you just get out on the ice and trust the ice. He is the object of your faith. It's not about us. It's about him. And as we see him come through for us, as we step out in faith in, in small areas, then we're able to trust him in some bigger areas of our lives. So, okay, let's talk about this for a second. So how, how do you rely on Jesus? How do you go through your day and lean on him? Well, there's a really cool verse in Ephesians. It's Ephesians chapter 5, and it's verse 18. And Ephesians 5.18 says this. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is uh, dissipation or excess. He says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a lot of people in the Christian world who want to, who want to um, try to interpret 
what being filled with the Holy Spirit is. Like there's some sort of magical experience that you get uh, at a church service when the music is playing and there's a, you know, some, some influential charismatic personality up front and you're going to go forward and get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's nowhere found in the Bible, okay? What is found in the Bible is this verse right here, Ephesians 5.18. And by the way, it's a command. It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an imperative statement that he's making there. So what does the word filled mean? Well, it's the Greek word plurao, and it simply means to be influenced by. In the same way that if you drank enough wine to get drunk by wine, you would be influenced by that wine. That wine would be influencing the way you think, the way you talk, the way you see, the way you act. Uh, it makes you sometimes do things you wouldn't ordinarily do if you're drunk with wine, or maybe not do things that you uh, that you ordinarily would do. It affects your judgment. It affects the way that you respond to things and to situations. That's why you should never drink and drive, obviously. So Paul's making this parallel between what alcohol does to a drunk person is what the Holy Spirit does to someone who's filled with him. Now, it doesn't mean we stumble around. He's not saying that. He's saying there's influence there. So just like when you would take a, you take a hand and put it inside a glove, whatever the hand does is exactly what the glove does. You know why? Because the hand is influencing the glove. The hand is filling the glove in that sense. So the word fill doesn't mean to fill up like a fill a glass with water. It means to influence or have control over. Now, there's a, a parallel passage that Paul wrote to the Colossians over uh, in chapter 3 and in verse uh, beginning in verse 15. He says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Then he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Richly dwell within you. That's synonymous with being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. So if the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, and you're letting God's word, the Bible, richly dwell within you, then his influence is being felt in your life. And so one of the ways that we learn how to lean on Jesus, and we learn how to be filled with the Holy Spirit is through allowing God's Word to richly dwell within us, to make a home inside our hearts and inside our lives, and to be a part of our daily life and our daily life decisions. Now, we struggle with that. I struggle with that. We all do. But that's the pursuit that we're in here is to allow God's word and what God's word says. And it says in verse 16, it says, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, what that verse is really saying there is that your life has a spiritual godly element to it. That you're not segmented in your life and you, and you have different areas of your life and, and God just is a part of that pie. Somebody's saying, he's saying that, that your spirituality really colors your life. That once you are filled with the word of God, once you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then what happens is that begins to come out. It, it comes out in your thoughts. It affects your thoughts. Uh, it affects your speech. It affects your relationships. It affects your decision-making. It affects your, your judgment in situations. It affects everything about you because <clears throat> he wants to be in charge of your life. You know, he wants to influence your life. And that's, uh, that's why God 
wants to be in our life. He wants us to lean on him. That's a really good thing for that to happen. And when that does happen, you know, you know what is the result of that? Well, as we saw in this in this passage, you, you talk about spiritual things. You're interested in spiritual things. And hopefully that grows into relationships where there's spiritual conversation going on. There's spiritual encouragement happening in your life. And, you know, I'm reminded of the verse in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, the, the very next verse that we that we see after to be filled with the Spirit. It's really, again, parallel with what Colossians says. It's speaking to one another in psalms and, in spirit, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to, to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Then it says, and to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So, so that feeling, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Word of God leads to godly relationships. And then you begin to find things are happening in your life that you didn't know really were there. Uh, this fruit of the spirit thing that he talks about in Galatians chapter five. And Paul tells us that the fruit that comes from being filled with the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Now that comes as a direct result of learning over time, how to lean on Jesus, how to, how to walk in him. And I'll do a, a future podcast specifically on walking in the Spirit. But we're talking about being filled with the Spirit as a mark of a disciple. And be, again, being filled with the Spirit is something that you, that you learn to do. And put simply, you're going through your day and you're hit with something. It may be a problem, maybe a thought, maybe an emotion, maybe something you're trying to overcome. And it's at that moment the Bible tells us that you as a Christian have the power to submit your will and your mind or your mouth or what your body, whatever. At that moment, you have a, an opportunity to submit your will to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to pray a prayer. There's no, there's no magic prayer that you pray. It just says be filled. So allow him to fill you, allow him. He's already in your heart. He's already there. He's dwelling within you, the Bible tells us. You know, Romans chapter 8 tells us in, in uh, verse, verse 9, he says, but you are not of the flesh, but you're in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells within you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he didn't belong to him. So the Holy Spirit is in you. If the Holy Spirit's not in you. You're not a Christian. But if you are a Christian, he's already in you. So you've got the Holy Spirit already in you. You just simply need to turn the reins over to him and let him be in charge. So well, how do I let him be in charge? Well, guess what? You're not going to know how to let him be in charge unless you know what he's like, what he says. Where do you find that? The Bible. So that's why Paul says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. So you won't know how to let the Holy Spirit control you in a certain situation and influence you in a certain decision unless you know what his heart is and the kinds of things that he would want you to do in a certain situation. So in order to be under his direction and under his control and to submit yourself to that so that he influences who you are and what you do, you've got to have exposed yourself to the teaching of the Word of God and your own personal study of the Word of God. So, Jeff, when, when, do I, uh, when do I find it necessary to 
surrender my heart to the Holy Spirit? Well, A, anytime you think about it, do it. I mean, just say, oh, Lord, Lord, I want you to be in charge right now of my life. I'm just kind of turning this over to you right now, giving you the keys. Anytime you find your relationship with Christ slipping, anytime that you've committed or that you're aware that you've committed a specific sin, anytime you're being tempted with a sin, anytime that you think you've you've been depending on your own self and your own strength and your own resources, man, that's time to just simply, you know, just move over and let him be in charge. Let him sit on that throne of your life. And that's part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus gives you. You've already got all that inside you. The Holy Spirit, God's resources are already there for you. You just need to learn how to use them. Be like, you know, if you're a guy, it'd be like you're walking into a workshop or something and it's all, the shop is just stocked with all the best tools. You know, you've got drills and saws and routers and band saws and, you know, things to sanders and, I mean, everything, hammers and, and sockets and, you know, screwdrivers. And you're going, wow, you just need to learn how to use them. They're already there for you. And that's what God gives us. It comes standard with the package, man. That's not an add-on. That comes standard with salvation is that you get all this good stuff. So that's why it's important for us to know what's in the tool shop, what's in the shed, right? And we find that as we continually expose ourselves to the Word of God. And let me just say this. Exposing yourself to God's Word and being taught God's Word or being in the Bible one time a week is not enough. It's just not enough. It's like eating one time a week. You can't do that and live. you got to be in the Word. And there are many ways to do that. We won't talk about them right now, but there are many different ways to get in the Bible. You're, in the, you're getting in the Word right now by hearing me teach to you. So that's one way. And so as you expose yourself to scriptures over time, you know what happens? Is that God's word really begins to marinate in your mind. It begins to sink into your thoughts. Begins to influence the way that you are. And you find yourself allowing God and what he said in his word, because we don't divorce God from his word, allowing God and his word to really be the driving force of your life be the thing that gives you the strength that you need when you need it. It helps you survive, but it also helps you thrive. And that's what we need in today's world. We need to be able to thrive. So it's not about having, you know, a carefree life. That Being filled with the Spirit doesn't give you a carefree life. It enables you to handle the cares that you do have in this life. And so you and I are going to experience some of the exact same problems that non-Christians experience and everybody else experiences. But we're also going to be hit with spiritual warfare. Uh, we're going to be targets of the enemy. We're going to be tempted. And if we try anything for God in this life, that's going to be a challenge as well. <laughs> so we have to always have our minds as second nature to think about what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? It's not about my opinion. It's about what God's word tells us. So being filled with the Holy Spirit simply allows you to experience the full new life that you began the moment you came to Christ. And maybe there's been this, this gap between that time when you first believed on Jesus and you're kind of really kind of kicking it in with your faith right now. That's cool. 
but just get on with it and begin to learn what he's given to you. And you can be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. Now, you're not going to feel different. You're going to tingle. You're not going to have this sensation. It's not going to be like you drank a cup of, you know, caffeine or something. You're just going to be under his control. And, and your thoughts, you're going to begin to think his thoughts. The more you are in the word, the more you'll think his thoughts. But it may be just as simple and just as rudimentary as saying, I don't want to be in charge right now. I just want you to be in charge. You so simply in your heart, choosing that causes the Holy Spirit to be in control of your life. And if there's any sin you need to confess, then man, confess that too. But allowing the Holy Spirit to be in charge of your life, being filled with the Holy Spirit is part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So right now, today, be filled, be controlled, be influenced by the Holy Spirit of God. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.